Hi everyone, Sam here. Thank you so much for listening to The Policy Dispatch. Before we dive in, if you want to enjoy premium access to the podcast and want to read or listen to the unmissable and informative journalism from Foresight Climate and Energy, make sure to subscribe. You can try us for 30 days for less than one euro a day, which will give you access to our website and app. Just follow the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe to find out more. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Policy Dispatch, brought to you by Foresight Climate and Energy. I'm your host, Sam Morgan. Russia's war against Ukraine completely and most likely irreversibly changed the energy game in Europe almost overnight. Gas supplies had to be replaced, geopolitical leverage granted by energy dependence had to be cut, and demand had to be managed to preserve stocks. Many of these measures are still ongoing. Throw into the mix inflation and a cost-of-living crisis, the worst effects of which probably still lie ahead of us. European Union responded to this world-shattering turn of events with what was arguably uncharacteristic speed, rolling out policies that aim to, in some cases literally, insulate Europe from outside influence. But how effective are these policies? Are they taking effect yet? And what dangers are posed if they are not implemented correctly? These will be just some of the questions we aim to answer in today's dispatch. Before I introduce this week's expert guest, a quick quiz for all you energy experts out there. Every EU country had to hit bespoke renewable energy targets by 2020. Which of the following nations ended up missing its clean energy benchmark by the biggest margin? Was it Belgium, Bulgaria, France or Poland? Stay tuned until the end of the episode to find out the answer. Now, on with the show. So today, uh, to discuss Europe's response to all of this turbulence, we're joined by someone who should be very familiar uh, to Foresight regulars, as it's Michaela Hall from Agora Energy Vendor, who is, of course, also co-host of the What Matters podcast, the Policy Dispatch's older sibling. Uh, Michaela, thanks for joining me today on the Policy Dispatch. Great to be with you here today. Thanks for inviting me. We've been meaning to get you on here already, so um, it's great to go over um, what all of these measures mean for um, Europe, climate, energy, all of these kind of things. Um, so in recent weeks, the European Commission has, has proposed all sorts of measures to try and contain these record high prices, ensure there's enough supply for the coming winter, um, and essentially prevent the economy from sliding off a cliff. Um, overall, how do, you, how do you evaluate the EU's response to this crisis? Is it been effective? Is it a bit misguided? Good for the climate? Bad for the climate? Um, what's, been your, what's been your perception of it? Yeah, it, sometimes it does remind me a little bit of the pandemic and the way we reacted to it, you know, that uh, at the beginning you had member states all, you know, going all over the place with national measures. But then somehow we learned that it's better if we coordinate and, you know, the commission came back. And it's a little bit similar here. Uh, I think that's in a way it's positive. But um, I mean, for example, that we are discussing this windfall profit cap as an EU idea, mm-hmm. that's, it's good, you know, it's good. Um, but you also see just how much pressure from the member states the commission is having. I mean, um, they are basically, as you say, there's a document coming out more or less every week. So, I mean, we are, we are basically addressing fundamental EU policy questions Mm-hmm. Uh, in between two uh, uh, external, uh, you know, emergency summits. That's what's going on at the moment. And that's the risk that it's all so rushed. Mm-hmm. But as I said, on the positive side, 
we do coordinate, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been lots of initiatives. Um, Repower EU, I suppose, is the big flagship one. Recommendations, yeah. um, all these new instruments to try and, and manage yeah. markets and things. But it, it seems to skew a lot towards managing supply. You know, where can we get more gas? Where can we build more wind farms, maybe? Yeah. Um, but there seems to be a lack of demand stuff you know how can we use less energy of course um you think that's been a bit of a fundamental flaw in, in the thinking there or, or they've been as ambitious as they could possibly have been um i would concur with you i mean if if you recall the first communication i mean spills a long time ago like right after the second invasion of the ukraine started mm -hmm. the commission's first paper did not contain the idea of demand reduction no it wasn't there it was not there, it was in March. So we've come a long way. I think what's now is that we are fixated on, on the price level rather than thinking about what to do to influence supply and demand. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a little bit the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and what I also see a bit as a problem is, um, so, I mean, first of all, on the pro side, it did work because we are now only getting 9% of our supply from Russia. We were at 40%. And you see that up to a 20% reduction, it's, it comes from, from people reacting, comes from the industry reacting. That's the, the numbers we have at the moment. I mean, it's not all good. Probably some had to cut their production, but you see the price is working. Um, mm -hmm. And what I see now as a risk is really an uncontained pumping of money into fossil fuels and also creation of uh, stranded assets. Like uh, I saw the other day, an enormous amount of money has gone. I think it was Simone from Bruegel who said, so far, EU member states have pumped in 500 billion euros to try to contain uh, the prices, 500 billion euros. Remember the 360 billion figure of annual investments for the new targets, and it seemed gigantic. I mean, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And the point is, since we're in crisis mode, very often what happens is that they that you know politicians get into this whatever helps mode. Right. Um, say hydrogen. We rather kill the integrity of a concept that basically renewables hydrogen is renewable because we're afraid we don't get enough. So, or now with the power market design that we are really in this moment of crisis thinking about really overhauling the entire market that was really on a shrine for 20 years and new policies. Or finally DTS, you know, where we come with these ideas of bringing back allowances, which now apparently the European Parliament has not adopted as it stands, you know, the part mm -hmm. allowances and the MSR, and basically flood the market to create additional pollution, basically. So it's, I mean, it's difficult, you know, I'm not saying, uh, but yeah. So mm -hmm. this, this, this I, I don't know, it's a bit frustrating because if you look back, had we done demand from the beginning, which I later in the documents came in, Mm -hmm. um, we would be in a much better place, you know. Mm. I mean, the, the point you made about this being, you know, it seems like a, a hell of a long time ago, all of these, you know, measures started coming out. Um, I mean, 
with the the reform of the electricity market that is probably going to happen now, probably earlier next year. Um, yeah. Like you say, this was a bit of a bit of a golden cow, right? It was no, oh, we can't possibly touch that. That was that was what the commission was saying just a few months ago. Yeah. Um, but now it's suddenly something that simply has to happen. Um, what do you think the why do you think they're open to it now? And why do you and what do you think the EU's power market of the future is it should look like? You know, are they going to land on something where, you know, cheap renewables are truly detached from all of these expensive fossil fuels? Or, or do you think that there is a lot of scope for them to well, get it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for the question. I mean, um, I think it's super important to really be sure about, okay, we need to address short-term issues like consumers and industries pay too high prices and the role of this internal market in the long term. And I'm afraid that this is not so clear. And as I mean, frankly, it's like we are going from one extreme to the other. As I said, it was the dogma. It was the internal market was doing all of the job alone. You know, don't come with renewable support schemes. Um, and now all is wrong. You know, finally, that the, that this market actually makes merchant renewables investments uh, possible and now it's all wrong and messed up again and we have to think about what this does to to, to new renewables investment and it's again only looking at the internal market as an objective in itself rather than a tool and the main point should be to encourage clean investments and i don't Mm -hmm. see this happening Mm -hmm. i don't see this happening i mean you know in the long term what i would like to see is um put this an internal energy market in a place it belongs. You know, don't make it something that op- supersedes everything when in fact the, ma- last ma- the vast majority of, of renewables investments occurs at a decentralized level. There's obviously mm-hmm. a conflict between this internal energy market ruling over everything and the fact that these investments occur locally. This would have to be a discussion. How can, you know, what's the role of internal market and what's the space we allow for the local level to innovate and, and to create and to, 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 to make energy system integration true, because that's where it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe also to add digitalization. I think there's a paper apparently coming out on the digitalization of the energy system. I mean, for example, asking the question um, that one of our guests on the other podcast, I, it really stuck with me that the remark he made, uh, mm-hmm. Greg Jackson from Octopus, when he said, I mean, seriously, if you look at the energy value chain and the supply chain, it has nothing to do with any other economic stream. It's not digitalized. It's not made more efficient. It, 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 it's appalling. You know, mm-hmm. he was basically saying, if this were another economic sector, this would have been, you know, made more effective by now. Where's the digitalization? Yeah. And yeah. these questions, I have used it from anyone raising them, you know? Yeah. I mean, is, is that um, perhaps, you know, the silver lining of these various crises that we find ourselves in now is that people are actually asking sensible questions about how our energy system is actually designed, run, managed, um, upgraded. In many cases, it's not being maintained as it should be. You know, that finally more attention is being paid to this rather than just trying to dump as much new energy supply into it as possible and, and hoping that, you know, grids can take it and energy inefficient buildings don't, um, you know, cost people their, their mortgages 
wages and, and everything. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think definitely. I mean, it's like they say, you know, in every crisis, there's also the chance. Um, <laughs> although I don't, I think the European mindset doesn't lend itself very well to, you know, read it that way. But I mean, I mean, definitely on the positive side, you have an awareness now among people on that, you know, energy costs. It's not dropping from the sky. It's expensive to make. Uh, mm -hmm. I, you can now have small talks about heat pumps. Perfectly okay these days. Yeah. I mean, front imagine. page news. Front page news now. Heat pumps. I mean, know. imagine if you had tried that on a party two years ago. Um, exactly. So yeah. there is this awareness, and people asking questions, and um, it, it, that's true. But I mean, it could also go wrong. Huh? I mean, uh, mm. if now we lock in the we take the wrong turn and lock in fossil and. Uh, you know, just continue subsidizing. And it goes beyond energy. It's like with fertilizers as well. You know, originally the green deals that we want to reduce, I don't hear anything about this anymore. Mm. It's all about supporting, supporting the subsidies. We're not competitive anymore. We want to probably be any money, but the farmers need to be supported. So it's the old recipes again, you know, mm -hmm. instead of actually it's the same. They should also reduce the demands, you know. I mean, a lot of these policies that the, the commission is proposing, I mean, when we're recording this, um, you know, energy ministers are, are still yet to, um, you know, finalize their agreement on various things. But a lot of these these policies are uh, brand new in a way. You mentioned the the solidarity contribution thing, you know, basically a windfall tax of sorts on, on certain energy uh, producers. Um, you know, will that have the impact that it's intended to have or, or because these things are so new and, and in, untested in a way, especially at EU level, um, there's a big risk that it, it won't do the job it's intended to, you know, and how, how do you deal with that then when it doesn't go right? Do you just sort of react quickly or, or you, you stay in mm. it for the long run? You know, um, is there a risk that this could all get worse, basically? <laughs> Hi everyone, Sam here again. Just wanted to remind you and maybe your colleagues as well that premium access to the pod and Foresight's brilliant journalism is just a click away. Try our subscription for 30 days for just 29 euros. That gives you access to our website and audio app. Go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe. Follow the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. I mean, at Agora, we feel that this idea of you know capping the profits and then using it for redistributions mm. uh, you know and the second part as important as the first mm. is, is a good idea is a good idea I mean you have to be aware of the political environment and it's not as invasive as a price cap would be because mm. you leave the market signal to a certain extent they're still responding to the market signal but as you say it's not as easy and maybe also not as fastly to be implemented. And um, basically, it only looks at the spot market, but, you know, there's also trading, there's, you know, there's trading around it. And uh, there are other, other market segments. Um, people do portfolio bidding, you know, it gets very technical very soon in, in, in the power sector. So, and some people say it will take too long to implement. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then what the point I already made before, what, what for us is important is really to to not create another, you know, another shock to the investment climate for renewables, like we mm -hmm. have these retroactive changes. Um, and that for me maybe is not as as prominent as it should be. And then if I may say a final, 
what is a, a little bit of a pattern in new policies is our fixation on electricity market. Tight as internal, you know, there we have the competence, but actually for the bills of the consumers, it's the gas heating bill that will be the main. And we're not talking about that so much anymore. It has been, you know, uh, a phenomenon of the past, this overemphasis of the of the EU electricity market and the overall picture, you know. I think again, it's another another sort of niche issue. I remember writing about years ago, and nobody really being particularly interested in. But suddenly, it's uh, you know, it's on the front page front page of uh, big newspapers now, and, and yeah. it's the, the yeah. hot button Rocket issue. Works. And yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at, at the beginning of, of the year, I mean, I remember different sort of little rumors going around about how, you know, this is a, a existential crisis for the Green Deal. You know, the, this big policy, the European Commission has basically built its administration around. Um, but do you think that that now, you know, Poland was calling for the ETS to be suspended, all these different sort of um, hit the button quickly measures. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think that the the, the risk of, of that kind of um, existential crisis about, you know, green policies has um, dissipated now. There's no real question of, of you know, will we keep doing net zero, that kind of thing. It, it, do you think that's been put where it's supposed to be on the, on the, in the bin? <laughs> I don't think it's put in the bin because I think it's, it's correct what Fatih Biro wrote in his blog recently. I have not yet met a government representative who claimed to me that he invested too much, he or she invested too much mm. into renewables or energy efficiency. If anything, uh, it was it was not enough. Fantastic. And okay, different different spins from other parts, you know, that mm. blame. But basically, that's what he said. You know, that's that's the basis of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, plus, I mean, I mean, just this week, I mean, uh, the other externalities apart from CO2 around fossil fuel dependency become so clear mm-hmm. every day more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is a risk that we hit the pause button. That I see, you know, that, that mm-hmm. we're not disagreeing on, 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 the, on the end goal, but that's not so far away. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just hitting the pause button now would already be immensely bad. It's not that we, you know, we can rest on our laurels when it comes to re- reduction of CO2 emissions. They bounce back to pre-COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say there's the unsolved question about what the role should and could be of gas. Mm-hmm. I mean, which popped up in the taxonomy, which wasn't the right place to discuss it, but you see, and then again with hydrogen and what color of hydrogen, how strict should we should be. So, um, it, it's not set, but I don't think fundamentally someone questions it, but there's still a risk. And as I already mm. said, if you look, for example, into other areas around pesticides and fertilizers, uh-huh. you know, where everyone I mean, wants yeah. to hit the pause button, you know, oh no, let's not reduce pesticide use now, says the council. It's not uh, the right time. And, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, you mentioned renewables and, and energy efficiency. You know, no one's no one's uh, over invested in them. Um, work continues in in Brussels. You know, um, members of the European Parliament and the Council and the Commission are all going to start um, their trilogues on these different uh, new targets for 2030. Now, I think it's sixth of October is the first negotiations for both those yeah. things. Um, 
How do you see those talks going? Do you think that they're going to be able to be even more ambitious because of everything that's gone on? Or do you think, as you just said, you know, there'll be certain actors who will aim to press the pause button on, on certain measures, you know, phasing different um, energy supplies out or, or that kind of thing. You know, I think there's a danger there. Yeah, indeed. Uh, uh, two of the key files of the clean energy package, no? the renewables and AED, they go into trial as you said, relatively early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the council side, they actually managed to agree even before the summer. I don't know how they did that. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, but Magic. Okay. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you look at it, I think there's some good stuff in it. But again, it also depends. So, I mean, um, you've seen that the parliament adopted uh, very ambitious new targets, which were in line with what the commission said we need now for extra ambition if we want to wean off from Russian dependency. The council did not on its end. But I think also on the council side, there's a few really positive developments, which I think if they survive the trilogue, could be good. Like, you know, for example, for me, the Renewables Directive is still, to a large extent, it's a fuel and bioenergy directive, the way it's set up. You won't find the words wind and solar in there, although they do, you know, every modeling just gets gigantic. They do the main work, basically, you know. It's the first thing you, you think of, right? You say a renewable energy device on anyone, and they probably yeah, imagine yeah, a wind but, turbine. You know, and the a way it's, panel, it's, you know. it's designed, it, it was designed for, give me a, let, let me give you an example. For example, the council changed in its general approach and renewables directive that so far it's not possible for a member state to account the electricity used in heat pumps for the rest heating target. So, and then you're surprised that it's 80% bioenergy. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, um, so there's good stuff in there. And for example, both kept a new target for the industry, which for hydrogen, industry is the main, should be the main client for, for, for hydrogen, not because we need to prioritize the stuff and they need to be certain to get it. And actually both institutions, also the council, kept this target binding mm-hmm. as a new introduction. So there's good stuff in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Also in the EED, you know, that more ambition for public renovation of buildings, I think, would be really fit in nicely into the current political context. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be a, a hell of a lot of, you know, political space for them to put these policies into now when you, you know, you think about um, renovations as well, and in particular, yeah. I mean, you say to, to any sort of normal voter in Europe, you know, would you like uh, more money available for houses to be better to live in. If you frame it that way, I, I imagine yeah. you're, you're going to get a lot of support, yeah. right? And, uh... Yeah. So I think there's a few good elements in there. You know, mm-hmm. like also what the commission proposed, this obligation for the solar roofs. But mm-hmm. also only, let's say, for the immediate, we have to be sure that also, you know, renewables are upscaled. Because these mm-hmm. things come one in three years, and then in three years after, we need to be at 2.5 uh, uh, the capacity installed. It, mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yep. It's a lot. <laughs> and somehow, you know, <laughs> voila. And, and I have to say, there's one, there's however one topic which could potentially, but okay, there's two topics. There's this whole bioenergy mm-hmm. discussion, you know, which is difficult. and which basically I think we are still in a level where biomass for us is an energy source in, in the first place, but that's not what it is. It's a natural capital, you know, it's a carbon sink. And as long as we don't, so that's still somehow, but that has been, that's a legacy, you know, from the biofuels. Now we do the same with biogas. 
But this whole uncontained hydrogen story has also the potential to really, I mean, derail things. Mm. You know, I mean, um, they were stuck in a lot of public money. We spoke about the 500 billion before. It's not an endless amount of money. No. Um, and then we have intentionally blurred concepts of what is green. So that means that also this intentionally blurred concept would have to apply for state aid, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, you cannot prioritize anymore. Um, so there's this tendency of, which we already saw in the taxonomy, let's try to take everyone alone, mm -hmm. sacrifice the integrity of the concept, rather than be clear. I mean, the US and their IRA, you know, they, they set a strict, a relatively strict threshold for hydrogen production. We don't have a definition or a concept for low carbon. This, mm. the, the term is used in stated guidelines and in every EU budget. We don't know what it means. If we do not say what an emission reduction you have to achieve. And, and, and based on this, we hand out the money. So. It's a, it does seem to completely undermine the EU you know, request to, to be a rule, yeah. a rule maker rather than a rule taker, right? I mean, that's the, exactly. So there's a, there's an inconsistency there. I mm. see. Yeah. Mm. I mean, all of these all of these different legislative things are being upgraded at the moment on on sort of different timelines. You've got the renewable energy and energy yeah. savings directive, but then you've got the energy performance of buildings uh, directive as well being uh, yeah. revamped. Uh, you know, slightly yeah. behind that. I mean, we spoke to to Kieran Cuff in the first first episode What's of this first, of yes, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he he sort of said, you know, that there is there could be a danger that all of these different things become sort of disjointed. One directive says one yeah. thing, one says another, and they have to work yeah. really hard to make sure yeah. that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. But do you do you see that danger as well? That you know, one hand I will do it. one thing, yeah, one yeah. hand will do another. Totally. Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, and I think actually we might need to do some work there here in Agora to really take stock where we are now, you know, because mm. I really have to say the clean energy package that came out from the commission when was it July? Mm -hmm. one, one is losing track, July 2021. It was a carefully crafted and super consistent policy paper, a policy package, I have to say. Mm -hmm. This combination of regulation, price, and then supporting people, it made sense. But as you say, it's it's going into all sorts of directions. No? I mean, in mm. the negotiations, and here we add, here we exempt. Um, it will not be easy to, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, I think uh, each piece has its lobby constituency, you see, mm -hmm. because everyone's so busy, they can't possibly follow everything. So I know that feeling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. We both know that. So gas people gather around gas and hydrogen. Electrification people don't have the time to look into it. And the same, no. you see what I mean? And then, mm. you know, the energy efficiency people are happy about, uh, you know, getting this and this in, but it would be immediately undermined by something uh, else on the other side, you see? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and you never know what um, what other unknown unknown will happen in the world as well to uh, derail everything or make it more complex or uh, you know one just one one normal week would be nice but I, I'm not holding exactly. my breath. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, just this week. Think about it. Oh, there, <laughs> there was enough enough news this week for an entire year, I think. But um, it is, and you get uh, so used to it. You're like, okay. Oh, yeah. Italian result, Italian election results, Monday. 
the bubbling news day Tuesday. <laughs> okay. What next? I, 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 I don't want to know what's next. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michaela, thank you so much for joining me. I am yep. uh, sticking to my quest to make these episodes as bite-sized and digestible as possible for our, um, our hopefully now loyal listeners. Thank you for um, coming over from What Matters. I want everyone who's listening to this to obviously listen to that as well. Plug in uh, the older sibling and everything. Um, and I hope that um, we can get you back on here at some point when everything is probably changed and different again. <laughs> and easy and digestible and not too much work. Yeah, inshallah. Fingers Thanks so crossed. much for having me. Thanks Thank so you, much. Thank you, Michaela. Bye. If you would like to hear even more about Europe's response to the ongoing crisis, then be sure to give the latest episode of What Matters a listen. It goes into even more detail than we had time for today, so check the website for details on how to listen. Now, earlier I asked you which EU country missed its 2020 clean energy target by the biggest margin. And the correct answer, somewhat surprisingly to some of you maybe, was in fact France. Uh, that's it for this week's Dispatch. A big thank you to my producer, Anna Gumbo and the rest of the Foresight team. We will go off and recharge our batteries, ready to bring you another episode in two weeks' time. Goodbye for now. <laughs>